Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 276, How to Be Your Own Advocate at Work with Selena Rezvani. I'm so excited for you to meet Selena. She and I have some great chemistry because I think we have a lot of mutual respect for one another, and I've just so admired Selena's approach to the work that she does and her generosity in sharing information and support and lifting as she climbs. She also just has a really brilliant background. Um, and I think the advice she gives is very well-founded and well-informed. I'm delighted for you to hear from her today because if you've been struggling, I think, to make your voice heard at work and you're not entirely sure how to push for what you want and advocate for what you want out of your career, this is the episode for you. And by the way, Bossed Up is the right place for you to be. That's like pretty much all we do in the best way possible. So I want to jump right into this interview by first telling you about Selena. She's an author, speaker, and consultant on leadership whose newest book, Pushback, How Smart Women Ask and Stand Up for What They Want, focuses on the unmatched power of negotiation skills in women's career advancement. Her experience and success in the women in leadership arena make Rizvani a frequent resource for news media and an in-demand business speaker. She's a Philadelphia Magazine and Forbes.com blogger and former commentator on NPR's nationally syndicated The 51% Perspective. She wrote an award-winning column on women in leadership in the Washington Post, worth checking out, by the way. And in 2018, she gave a TEDx talk entitled Interrupting Gender Bias Through Meeting Culture, which is fantastic, and I will link to in today's show notes. Definitely check it out. Selena received her Bachelor of Science and Master of Social Work degrees from New York University and has an MBA from Johns Hopkins, where she received the Edward Stegman CPA Memorial Award for Academic Excellence. Selena Rizvani, welcome to the Boss Up Podcast. Thank you, Emily. I'm so excited to be here and to talk to you. For a little bit of background, I feel like we should share our story of how we first met because it it speaks directly to our topic today of advocating for yourself. I think it started with an email from you, right? It did. And we had a client in common and they were offering me one figure uh, as, a, as a pay a check and a fee. And I knew you had been through some things with this client. So I was uh-huh. like, let me reach out to Emily. I don't know her super well, right? Because we had met right. at a conference. And I said, is this the right figure? Should I be getting this? What's your perspective on it? And you very graciously, in a total act of women supporting women, wrote back to me in like, I think, three minutes and said, call me. Two words. (laughs) Yeah. I First of all, when I got that email, I was like, yes. Okay. I was like, this is what we need to be doing. I'm like, why don't I get emails like this? 
all the time. Like so clear, so direct. So, hey, girl, you know, they're offering me this much money. Would you mind telling me if that feels right or not? I'm, I counsel people to do that all the time. I podcast about that all the time. And so when I was in a car from heading from the airport to some speaking event, I got this email. I was like, girl, call me right now. Here's my cell phone. And I think it was like five minutes later, you were like, now? And I'm like, yeah. And you totally rang me up. And I was like, okay, let me tell you exactly how I negotiated that price point up. So you should do the same. And guess what? The outcome was worked like exactly. Yeah. Um, I I really did follow exactly what you said. And I it allowed me to say it, the words with confidence, right? Because you, you know, showed me, hey, there's a precedent. Right. This, this works. So thank you for that. Something I'll never forget. Yeah. And I hope you know kind of the best way, I think, for me to say thank you is to keep doing it for other people. Hell yeah. You know, and pass it on. Well, I think it's just ironic that two women like yourself and I who spend a lot of our time telling other people and women in particular how to advocate for themselves, we got to walk the walk. And you totally modeled that in that moment. And to me, that one credibility through the roof in my book for forever. So- I'm just delighted. You just touched on something that's important, which is, you know, walking the talk. Mm -hmm. For me, being a fierce self-advocate, I teach what I need to learn. Oh, my gosh. You know, this is as much a personal manifesto, you know, as like a recovering good girl and people pleaser myself, you know. I started noticing a few things, which was every good thing in my career, even as a young person, came from self-advocacy, not on a tray handed from other people, but it came from saying, okay, well, that's interesting, but would you consider this other scenario? Or, hmm, okay, you want to staff me on that project? Right. And, And man, that played itself out over and over again in my career with every good thing, with books, with columns. So much of it was saying, I, you told me no. <laughs> How about now on the fifth yeah. try? Um, you know, and being tenacious and asking. Yeah. I mean, you are a speaker, you're an author, you're a writer. And from what I've seen, really, you have a background in consulting, helping with teams, a great place to work, helping with inclusion and diversity initiatives, all of which I'm sure informs your work today. But like, how did you first get into that DNI work overall? Yeah, I was super miserable in a career that didn't fit me, which mm-hmm. is I had a master's in social work, and I have so much respect for people who can do clinical social work, but I was deeply miserable. And I took job after job in it, and guess what? Nothing changed. You know, I couldn't not take everything home every weekend, Mm. I realized like, I've got to make a change. And how can I apply these skills that I love of diagnostic questions and problem solving with people and thinking creatively? How can I apply this to something, you know, that is a good balance for me that excites me? And I was like, work, I would love to apply this to work. And so I said, I'm going to cast my net really, really wide. I'm not going to limit myself. I'm not going to use like two keywords. I'm really going to think big. And I looked at every job site. Mm. I even looked on Craigslist. And guess what? I found there my dream job description, 
looking for somebody to help elevate the employee voice, use diagnostics. We're a fun, quirky, friendly, little consulting firm. And um, I applied and thank goodness I got it. That was great place to work institute. Wow. Recruiting on Craigslist. I love it. <laughs> things have changed. I think things may have changed a little bit just for my job seekers listening. But it is it is inspiring because like me, you pivoted very, very sharply early on in your career. And there are so many folks in our community who are listening to this right now thinking, mm, I have been pursuing a, a kind of success that's actually not right for me. So just knowing, I think the origin stories of all my guests here on the podcast is so helpful. It's so important, isn't it, to hear people's, not just the doors that open, but the ones that slammed shut and and like totally didn't work. Right. I, I know that's been so yeah. important in my career. Definitely. Now, over the course of your consulting work and now the work you do with companies and teams and individuals, um, something that really stood out to me as I was watching your TEDx Hartford speech, which was fantastic, which I will definitely link to in the show notes. By the way, Hartford County native here, so I'm a oh, fan. How awesome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I was noticing your drawing of attention to the difference between inclusion and diversity and the importance of, especially for teams now who are trying to be creative and agile and pivot in this ever-changing very weird year we find ourselves in, how important it is for everyone's voice to feel included and welcome and and respected. And I guess one of my questions as I think about my leaders who I work with in our Leadership Accelerator program, Level Up, is how do we get people to feel that safe? How do we get our teams to feel like they can all contribute and sort of pull out the talent and create safety, you know what I mean, to create an actual inclusive environment. So I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about the difference between diversity and inclusion and how we can, as leaders, foster that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for so long, Emily, both of us probably heard D&I, D&I, D&I together, mm -hmm. right? Diversity inclusion is like a little two peas in a pod. But, but they're not the same, right? And diversity is really about the mix, the mix you have in the room, at the table, on the Zoom call. It is the mix of perspectives and people that are represented there. Just because you have a mix, though, right? Doesn't mean those people feel included, are emboldened to contribute, right? Um, right. Feel comfortable challenging like the popular direction, right? So that's like a whole second, even more sophisticated piece of this work, which is what you said, making people feel safe um, so that they do hazard a guess, you right. know, so that they do tell you this is my wildest out there idea because that's what you want. You want people to feel that comfortable. And a big part of this for women is knowing, look, on a really simple level, they're likely to take up less airtime in meetings. Mm -hmm. You know, just looking at the, the minutes and the numbers of who speaks, right? So asking women to speak first or early on tends to trigger a cascade where more women speak. Or I know you're a fan of this topic too, but interrupting interruptions. Hell yeah. Noticing, hey, that's the fourth time Emily's been cut off. Let's give her the floor so she can mm -hmm. finish her idea, being that advocate. But I think safety too is is 
being really forthcoming with your mistakes as a leader mm. or as a team. Hey, I made a miscalculation on that project this spring. And here's what I took away from it. You know, if you model talking about mistakes, learning from them, referencing them, guess what? Right. <laughs> you know, it really opens things up for other people. And the, the last thing I just want to say is pay attention to your hero stories that you tell. You know, all teams have hero stories and mm. companies do, like the stuff you kind of tell around the campfire, like mm. Steve pulling the all-nighter to save like the bleeding satellite business, you know, whatever it is, or flying to Dallas on a Saturday night, you know, what are mm. those hero stories and what do they really exemplify? You know, mm. are, are they all men, first of all, because many times they are, but what are the values there? You know, really think twice about like the stories you tell because people can shape the narrative more than they think. Mm. You know, how about saying we really learn from this doozy of a mistake and here's a story we tell about our comeback. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like it's still so hard to get people in that growth mindset around mistakes. It's just like I feel like vulnerability is Definitely a prerequisite. I'm so glad you acknowledged that. You know, leaders saying, here's the mistake I made. Here's an experiment we ran. But people are so inherently risk averse. And I feel like that's only exacerbated now because of mass unemployment due to this pandemic that people want to cover their own ass, you know? And, and you just, it's just hard. I think it's hard, especially in a world that treats women's mistakes at work more harshly and views yeah. them as much more catastrophic. I think you're right. And and if, you know, to add a layer on that, if you are kind of perfectionistic, which mm. I can totally cop to trying to change in my own life, it it can feel all or nothing. It can feel like people are like potential critics. They're not collaborators. Right. You know, you can, you know, feel very worried and preoccupied with failing and messing it up. And, and you know, that makes like the stakes impossibly high. So one of the things I've learned from you, I feel like you really hit home beautifully is like acknowledge the little wins. Right. You know, give yourself the credit as you go for the moves and the steps you're making forward. Definitely. It does not have to be the grand slam. You know, what I love about every bit of advice you're sharing here is that you don't have to be a so called leader. Like, your title doesn't need to be a leader for you to start acting this way. You know, we can all help celebrate small wins. We can all talk more candidly and vulnerably about mistakes and key learnings. And we can all disrupt interruption and take all those steps to make a more inclusive environment. I think there's an active leadership there for everybody, regardless of position in the team or or, or hierarchy. I guess my my other side of this coin I wanted to ask you about really is how you would coach the folks who want to make their voice heard. A lot of women in our community struggle to speak up. And especially, I think that's been exacerbated as our workplaces have gone remote, <laughs> some of whom are going remote forever, right? Like I saw just the other day, Microsoft announced they'll allow staff and employees to work remotely forever. Wow. As we head to a more virtual team environment and 
Already we know that marginalized voices are less likely to be heard in a physical boardroom, much less in a Zoom meeting. You know, when you feel that fear of speaking up, how can we overcome it and make our voices heard anyway, especially and even if we're speaking up in disagreement and in dissent? One of the most powerful is your mindset. It's not just a ninja move and some cool thing you do in the room. Yeah. It's like it starts in your own head. And I think it's deciding you 100% belong in that conversation. I even say jokingly to clients, you know, you 400% belong. When you conduct yourself like that, there's nobody more perfect to be in that room negotiating that issue than you. Mm. And I think that self-endorsement is so important first. I think another thing is mindset-wise, not being too deferential to the other side. Uh. This is a really hard one for me. I'm half Pakistani. I grew up with lots of messages from my dad's side. You kind of wait your turn. You respect authority in a certain way. You don't kind of talk back. Right. And that can be really hard to undo and and tell yourself. So I tell people, look, even if you're negotiating with your boss's boss's boss, you need to treat it peer to peer. The conversation, your needs are no more or less important than mine. Yeah. I mean, that sets such a tone, doesn't it? It does. It does. Like the kind of tone where if you get a little no or a little pushback, you're not going to slink out of the room right. at the first sign of you know resistance. So I, I think that's huge. I think too, Emily, like one of the things goes back to our meeting, which is tap your network. You will find if you consult your network before you go advocate for something, whether it's the direction of the company or better pay or a flex work arrangement or whatever, they will not only embolden you mm -hmm. often to ask for more, to be more aggressive, mm. you know, in what you're going to do or ask for, but they're, they're going to like normalize your fails or the, the no's you might receive. That can make you so, so much more resilient, so much more resilient. I have a theory in my book, Bossed Up, A Grown Woman's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together, which I feel like I need to reread myself right now. I call it mirror theory. And you're kind of alluding to the concept right now, which is it's really hard to be your own hype woman, right? You need to stand in front of someone who's going to act like your best mirror you've ever had. Because we all know some mirrors make you look great. And some mirrors are a little more like funhouse mirrors, right? And like she's going to reflect back to you or they're going to reflect back to you the most awesome, fierce, brave version of you. And you can't do that on your own, right? We need that external validation in the advocacy process before, during, and after to process. Totally. And you not knowing on your own isn't a sign of weakness at all. It's just that you're benefiting from those multiple perspectives, right. right? It's just like solving a problem. You're much more likely to solve it if you come with like 10 solutions instead of only one. Mm. And, and your network's giving you that. You know, they're saying, Emily, try it like this. Right. When you negotiate with him or her, make sure you mention X. Right. It's really important to them. You know, how's that not going to make you better? Right. Yeah. And just to look at it from lots of different angles. Yeah. I mean, how should we be thinking about self-advocacy at work these days? 
if you're fortunate enough to have an end of year review on the schedule or a start of year review, how would you prepare to advocate for yourself in a in a setting like that? Well, the first thing I would say is a little geeky data point for anyone who likes the data. When I interviewed 20 C-level women, I asked what percent of a woman's career success hinges on her ability to be the self-advocate. Mm. And they said 60%. So while other skills are important, like people management and you know, technical skill, this ability to make a firm request mm. and then back yourself ranked higher. So I would just say, no, this is not a nice to have skill. You know, this is a must have skill. And, and your review is such a lush, like perfect, productive place to advocate for yourself, right? Mm, yeah. Because look, the old saying is managers have short memories. <laughs> yes. I can attest to that as a manager. Hell yes. Yes. Me too, right? But they, they don't know what you're working on, let alone where you've really shined this year. You know, they don't always have that at their fingertips like you do. And so it's so important that you don't start the conversation at the review. That's my biggest piece of advice is if you're starting the conversation there, it's too late. Yes. You know, it should be ongoing. You can even like build it into your check-ins and reviews, you know, with totally. your boss. Hey, I want to tell you what's going, you know, what I've accomplished, what's coming down the pipeline and what's going well. And that's like mm -hmm. your your chance, you know, to self-promote every week and tell them about your wins so that, you know, it's very easy for them to fight for you. Yeah, I could not echo that more. I have a client I've been working with in our Level Up program who is a senior advocacy official, right? She's actually a lobbyist. So mm -hmm. ironically, she lobbies and advocates on behalf of her employer all day and really, in some ways, needed a little bit of a push to advocate for herself. And in preparing for her review, which is coming up in February, I was like, you need to send that email to the president of your company now because you just finished a project with them directly and they're leaving in March. Like, talk to them now. She was like, do you think so? Would that be weird? And we had this debate with our other level up leaders who are all team leaders, you know, with direct reports and senior women in their own right. And we were debating. I said, does anyone else think that would be weird? And everyone was like, girls, send the email. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and like like that, that sort of hype squad she did in response to that little debate, she met with the president who was like, tell me what your goals are. How can I help make it happen? You know, we can't afford to lose you here. We want to make sure that you're getting whatever it is you want out of your career here with us. So definitely, it's never too early to just start that conversation. And it's so smart because, you know, sometimes to some of us, it seems to mean more to just like get that compliment on its own without any prodding. And the truth is we all need to prod, you know, we do, totally. we need to kind of push and ask and inquire. And I love your idea. You got to kind of amass the kudos. And one of my favorite ways to do that, by the way, is on LinkedIn. And I say that because then you kind of get the twofer effect, right? You can not only get that wonderful like accolade from your division president, but you've got the inside outside view. You're showing mm. future employers too that you were instrumental. Right. Um, 
So I, I found that to be really important, even getting in the habit of framing it like, hey, can I, you know, are you open to writing a two to three sentence um, testimonial or recommendation on LinkedIn? And, you know, most people will say yes. As a as a, someone who counsels a lot of job seekers who are doing that after the fact, they're like, oh, shoot, I should have asked for these all along. And I'm like, yes, we, sh- we all should have, but it's never too late. I think, you know, what trained me into systematizing that was becoming a public speaker. And I'm sure this is true for you, Selena. I've seen your gorgeous website. Everyone should go and book you, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. And like, we have to have testimonials because what the hell does it mean to be a public speaker? You you, you need people vouching for you because anyone can say that they're great. It's one thing to have them and it's another to really bring them and sometimes lead with them. I noticed when I put them in my proposals, not just somewhere on my website, but actually in my proposal right after my fee that like bookings went up. Same. Oh my gosh. Same. We have a whole system in our proposal templates, which is just like pages and pages of glowing testimonials because you got to make that stuff work for you if you got it, you know? You really do. You really do. One last question for you. Can you tell us a time in which you wish you had advocated more for yourself and what it taught you? I was early in my career I was building my platform around women in leadership, writing a column, writing my second book. Things were going well. And I got a phone call, a really exciting one. And it was a tech company. And they said, would you like to be or interview? Would you like to interview to be our global spokesperson? Whoa. And I was like, holy yes. I was like freaking out, excited. So, so excited about what this could mean. I went to the interview And I gave them in my ideas and my energy and everything, like a total diet Sprite version of myself. A few days later, when I kind of got the, it was great to meet you, stay in touch, but we're going to go a different direction. Mm. And it was crushing, but like, I got it. I knew I didn't bring my meanness to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of gave them a diluted, muted version of me. And I I think we do that sometimes. And I I even think that's a form of advocating for yourself is bringing the full color version of you, the full sugar, you know, version of who you really are. And that was like one of my best face plants in my life um, because I learned really quickly from that mistake that if Mm. I'm not going to get something, it's not going to be because I bring this dull, boring version. It's going to be because I bring too much of myself. You know, I'd yeah. rather, you know, really bring my key essence. And like live out loud, right? Yeah. I think we, yes. we get that we get that message, which is, oof, I'm different. If this is a high stakes environment, I want to show them that I'm just like them. And we think that that's what's going to attract, you know, their interest when in fact – knowing yourself, being true to yourself, being loud about who you are, even when that makes you different. It's scary as hell. Definitely scary. But it's what that's why everyone's listening right now. Not because this is the women's empowerment podcast hour. It's because it's bossed up. You know what I mean? Like people come here for a reason. And so there's an audacity in showing up as your full self and saying, here's who I am, world, take it or leave it, (laughs) right? Isn't it fascinating that when you don't do that and you try to conform 
Mm. You kind of turn people off or they notice or they just smell like something's not right here. Anyway, that was so instructive. The, The upside of it was in their polite email, they said, stay in touch. And I did. And I pitched them. A, mm. a different project, and and they did collaborate with me on that. But um, I could have c- continued pitching them. You know, yeah. I think sometimes we can feel like a fail is permanent, and is the final word on the story. Oh, and yes, there's any chance for you to rewrite the ending, do it. Totally, I love that. Wise words of advice. We, our listeners can head to your website, selinarezvani.com, which I'll put in the link below. Anything else that they should be aware of in terms of your resources, your books, anything else you want them to know about you or where to keep up with you? Yeah. You know, if you want to check out my courses on LinkedIn Learning, they're all about making your presence felt and showing up with confidence and, and advocating your needs. So check them out on LinkedIn Learning. Um, by searching my name. And if you want more negotiation specifics, you can look at my book, Pushback, which is really a guidebook for these conversations that you can dog ear and keep coming back to. Love it. Thank you so much, Selena. It was great to have you. Thank you, Emily. Thanks, everybody. For all of today's show notes and links to learn more about Selena and all the great resources we talked about, head to bossedup.org slash episode 276. And now it's time for this week's boss move of the week. Today's boss move was written in by Jennifer, who is a member of our Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook, which is totes worth checking out if you haven't joined us already. It's entirely free, by the way. Um, Just head to bossedup.org, sign up for our emails, or find the link in today's show notes because it is a great place to connect with like-minded women. And every Friday, we have a fierce Friday check-in asking you what's the thing you're most proud of having done or learned or achieved this week. And Jennifer, who is a fantastic member of the Bossed Up community and an alum of our Speak Up program for women who want to own their voice and hone their assertive communication, had this to say. Quote, my partner, who takes the lead on online learning, was out of town this week, so I had to figure out school and work alone this week. My boss move was to shift my work week, even taking a day off to just focus on my kids. Best decision. We got the schoolwork done and didn't add any stress to our days. And it was a nice move by my company, too. They gave us today off for an extended holiday weekend. I'm happy I took control over our time, and I feel really good about it. This is a great example of a subject we talk about in the Life Tracker Planner community all the time known as goal highlighting. The concept of highlighting is instead of trying to multitask and failing, which I think describes most of my days, (laughs) temporarily mindfully prioritizing one area of your life over another enables you to preempt the guilt that we all feel most of the time. So saying, you know what? I'm not going to try to be a perfect mom today and be a perfect employee. I'm just going to give myself permission to put one of those roles above the other. Not forever, you know, just temporarily. And the temporary suspension of that secondary objective doesn't mean that secondary goal is less important. It's just being made less urgent, which is a really smart strategy when it's possible 
in order to set yourself up to not multitask and feel stretched too thin. Easier said than done, of course. There's a lot of advocacy and speaking up on your own behalf required, like saying, hey, I need this day off, even though you're giving me tomorrow off to make it happen. And yet when it does happen, you're able to mitigate the guilt that is like a daily experience for women who experience role overload. So if that is up your alley, if that kind of talk about goal management and prioritizations up your alley, make sure you're in our Life Tracker Planner community by snagging yourself a 2021 Life Tracker Planner now at bossedup.org slash Life Tracker Planner. Every January, we always start the year online together with three masterclasses that dive deep into the psychology, the cognitive science, and just the gender research that goes into how we designed the Life Tracker Planner to help you mitigate guilt and tackle that which is most important to you. Kudos, Jennifer, on speaking up and making your voice heard and choosing mindfully where you want to focus your energy and being the boss of your own schedule. Thank you for sharing. It's inspiring. Hopefully inspires more of us to set our priorities ahead of time instead of constantly feeling like we're reacting. All right. I want to hear from you. What did you think about today's episode? Drop me a comment on social media at Emily Aries or at Bossed Up Org. Or if you're listening to this in the Apple Podcast app, make sure you rate and review the podcast. It really makes a difference on our end. And subscribe while you're at it so you never miss an episode. That also really helps our show right now. So thank you as always for listening, for sharing, for tuning in. Let's get out there and keep lifting as we climb, as the first Black Women's Association in America once said. So until next time, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose. And together, let's lift as we climb. 